Hello and welcome to Follow Me and Die. I'm your host, Larry Hamilton, and today is normally Tuesday Tales, but because last weekend was GaryCon, which I attended, I'm going to give my GaryCon wrap-up report. I did publish a blog post yesterday with that, and I'll touch on some of the highlights in this episode. Next up, GaryCon 11, post-convention wrap-up. 2019 saw GaryCon 11, and it was yet another awesome experience. This was my fourth GaryCon in a row. I started with GaryCon 8, and have attended everyone since. I rode with Steve Fridsma from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I met him last year. We were supposed to play in the same AD&D game, but our Dungeon Master had to cancel unexpectedly, and we didn't find out until after... The game should have started because of a mix-up, and I offered to run the Gamma World scenario I was running the next day, and some of the players elected to do that, and they stayed, and I ran the game, and we had a blast. And then Steve and I were in Chicago Wiz AD&D game the next day, and I had to cut that short because I ran out of steam and couldn't keep my eyes open. And we've Steve and I have kept in touch on social media, and we tried to coordinate rides that included one of my con roommates, but the travel days didn't work out. So Steve and I arrived in Lake Geneva at the con location, Wednesday right around check-in time. So I unloaded my bags to my room ASAP. Then I picked up my badge and Game Master packet. And again, we got a couple of books and some were duplicates of some from last year. So I'm probably going to use those for a giveaway. And of course, I had my card game I keep talking about with my little notebook to take notes about the players and their scores. And I get down there first and last names because everyone who playtests my card game is going to get credit as a playtester. So I met up with Steve and some others who wanted to play my game. And we drummed up some interest from some others. And we had a UX designer, that means an interface designer, an architect, a game designer. He's retired and now he's a game designer. And these are the rules that are basically the same as I ended up at the end of playtesting at GaryCon 10 last year. But it's the new deck. It has a few tweaks from what I had last year. I swapped out some of the cards and made some new cards to make the game a little more interesting. And most importantly, the playtest deck number two, I fixed the font color because there are certain letters that were supposed to be in red and I didn't think to do that so I had to draw a red ink box around them so now that was in red. I also had the numbers on the right if you'll notice on our standard playing deck the numbers are on the left so I fixed that other than I realigned some of the placeholder art and I think it's funny a lot of people when they're offering their suggestions say well you need better art. Well it's a playtest deck it's got placeholder art that is public domain art. Some people said, oh, I really like this. If you just tweak it a little bit, you could just go with that. I thought it was also hilarious. There's two pieces of artwork on two different cards that I did the art myself. And one of the new cards has a piece I did and they thought it was hilarious and said, oh, you have to include that in the final deck. Someone also said, well, what you should do for your Kickstarter is have a stretch goal or you have a Larry art edition. And I said, well... I'm not so sure that would drum up business as much as chase it away. I guess I could always have a poll to see if people would want that as a stretch goal. After our game was over, Thaddeus Moore, a.k.a. Patches, asked me to sign his copy of The Front, 
The front is an RPG with a World War II theme based on Black Hack First Edition by Mark Hunt. I did some proofreading for Mark and he credited me as the proofreader. So this is the first time I've ever signed a book in my life that wasn't to indicate I owned the book. I then ended up signing a lot more books. Thursday morning, the next day, I ran my scenario for the front. It's called The Keel Experiment, a takeoff on the Philadelphia Experiment. And Mark joined in and he had copies of the rules that you can get on Lulu for the print rules. You can get the PDF from DriveThruRPG. Mark signed them all and since he got the ball started with the aid of Thaddeus, I also signed them. And with Mark there, we did a lot of belling laughing. Mark is quite the laugher, very fun. We had a great time. And Mark and the other players had a laser focus on the objectives to win, and we were done early. They just boom, 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 objective. And so half, I think we went a little over half the time slot, but then we were done. And I was throwing a couple extra things in there. And that's because, you know, some groups just really dilly-dally. Well, if you get a group that doesn't dilly-dally, a little tip here, have a little uh, modular situation that you can throw in there to expand the time if you're worried about filling the time slot. Some might argue, why does the time matter if they break through the scenario and do a good job? I've played con games where we made all the right decisions playing a, a module and we get done early because we just made all the right decisions and didn't go in the direction where the worst monster was or when we found out where the worst monster was rather than try to fight it, we avoided it. And then Thursday evening, I sat in on a seminar with Satine Phoenix and Rudy Rutenberg. And they were, I guess, two one-hour back-to-back seminars that were about GM-related issues. One was issues you have as a GM and how to deal with them. And the other was some... I'm sorry, it just kind of blurred together on me. But it was uh, very informative and interesting. If you've ever seen Satine on her GM tips, then you get the idea and of course i got in some more card game playtesting. had lots of fun with that the thing with the con when you're busy and tired and not getting enough sleep i don't recall which day certain things happen and so i was so busy running the game or playing the game or just visiting with people i didn't take notes of what order things happened friday morning i finally got to meet zach howard of the xenopus archives blog and i played in his and I played in his Holmes Blue Box Basic, The Brazen Mask of Xenopus. And this was the first time I'd played Holmes Blue Box Basic since the Dungeon Master's Guide came out. Because once it came out, we didn't need it anymore. Because I started playing that, and then the Monster Manual came out, and then the Player's Handbook came out, and finally the Dungeon Master's Guide came out. But before the Dungeon Master's Guide came out, we still needed the combat tables and so forth from the rules. I like the scenario that Zach had us run. It used some of the characters from a book that Dr. Holmes, the author of the Holmes Blue Box, wrote. Two of the characters were the hired help, two Vikings, Olaf and Haldor. And the dungeon used was in the back of the basic rules with some changes due to the passage of time. We worked really well together and managed to avoid the death of all the characters and avoided a situation that could have led to a TPK. It was very close. We were down to a couple bad rolls, and we would have been done. And for the first time ever in all my 40-plus years of playing, either as a player or a game master, 
I encountered a purple worm and one of the characters I was running, Olaf, was swallowed. So that was just amazing that in my first encounter with one, my character gets swallowed and the halfling Boinger was also swallowed. And then, of course, it was, uh, we did a good job and uh, the magic user did a fireball on it before we charged into combat and so he softened it up pretty good. So it was entirely a bonus that we killed the worm quickly enough that the party was able to cut both Olaf and Boinger free, so they lived to continue the adventure with minor injuries. We finally found the baddies in the dungeon, and they set up a great trap we fell right into. In the dungeon earlier, we had found a potion of giant strength, which the party elected to give to Olaf. Olaf drank that and ripped one portcullis on one side of us away and the one behind us we left in place when the baddie saw us of course they ran we had a centaur character and he had a potion of haste so he was already the fastest in the party but hasted it was ridiculous he chased after the baddies and the rest of the party followed we got to the place of final combat and there was a large number of enemies plus the Big bad evil guy and some other little things, Haldor and the dwarf and somebody else were held, or not haste, we got hit by hold person, so three of us were held and that was not a good timing thing. Olaf charged in to fight a, I guess, a minion of the big bad and it, uh, Olaf missed and it knocked him across the room to negative numbers and Zach said, you got till negative 10 to save him. So they managed to knock out the big bad and break the whole person, which we did that just in time. Had it been a, another round or two, they would have swarmed us and that would have been all, all over. The benefit of low-level minions versus fighters with levels, multiple attacks around, we might mopped them up. We did not complete the entirety of combat in the time slot so we just had to say we won and we we were well on the way to winning there was no way they were going to get us once we knocked down the big bad and the big tough minion and uh, got unheld and got Olaf back up and he managed to get a good swing on the big bad minion and helped bring it down and I really enjoyed it and I would play a game with Zach again however I don't want to monopolize a spot maybe we'll be able to play another game Friday afternoon, I ran my Dungeon Crawl Classics funnel of Fungus Among Us. I first ran that funnel at, uh, it's my first ever funnel. And like all my adventures, I write my own because it takes less time to figure out how to do it. And I can end up with a front and back of a piece of paper, usually for notes. I had seven players. Two had played funnels before. One a teenage boy, another his dad. And there was also a youngish woman, I'm not going to take a guess at the age, and two guys that I'm pretty sure were older than I am. And uh, it's funny that I'm used to being the oldest one in the game in recent years, so it was, I guess, good for the ego that there was a... So it was a nice little uh, ego boost that I was not the oldest one at the table. The father of the teenager made decisions and die rolls that... Had three of his four zero-level characters dead in less than an hour into the session. He then, of course, had his last zero-level character stay out of the way. And he managed to survive 
all the way to the final encounter and survive the final encounter. Of course, in the boss fight at the end, as is usual, my poor big bad evil guy had a fumble. He was on his back and unable to attack for a round, and his attacks that hit only had minimal effect. The two older gentlemen, I believe, had double booked their time as they could only stay for half the session. The remaining players did really well. They, of course, lost a few more of their characters, which happens in a funnel. And, of course, everyone survived with at least one character. They all had a blast, and it was a lot of fun to run. Friday night, I saw Eye of the Beholder, the recently kickstarted movie about the artists of TSR who formed the image most of us have of what D&D is. I backed that Kickstarter, and because of that, I was able to see the film online. And this was the same film that was online. I was hoping maybe they'd show some of the extras, but no. But several of the artists were there, and afterwards we had a Q&A. And just before the con, they sent out a note that the CDs and other things were in the shipping process. And my CD was waiting when I got home. So that was cool. I haven't played it yet, as I was way too tired last night to keep my eyes open. And of course, Friday night, I ran even more playtests. I finally remembered to have my 5x7 index cards with quick rules on one side and what the cards do on the other. And I just passed those out and said, I'm not going to say anything. Read this and let's see if we can play the game to make sure that I have the rules solid enough that in written form, players can figure it out. I then passed out index cards. I cut to playing card side with bullet points and the steps of one's turn and what the cards do. And... Of course, they identified typos of words that I spelled right, but were in the wrong context. And they also pointed out some things that would really help clarify. So the cards worked, but as expected, need a little bit of improvement, which that's fine. I'm fine with that. Just knowing that the basis of what I have there worked and they could figure out the game without me having to explain it was great. Saturday morning, my schedule was clear. I met up with Ray Otis of Plundergrounds and Cody Maza of the No Save For You podcast. Ray's first GaryCon was last year, but I guess we just never crossed paths, and this was Cody's first GaryCon and second con, and we managed to get time to play my card game in the open gaming area, and a father and 13-year-old son joined us. The son was my youngest playtester yet, so I was really interested in his reaction. Ray and Cody loved my game, and they had a few suggestions. The boy liked it and thought the placeholder art was cool and thought I should just use that. He was also pretty stoked to know that he will have credit as a playtester, so I'm sure he'll have some extra cool factor to dangle in front of his friends when he gets home. And afterwards, Ray Cody and I found a place in the GM lounge they have there at Gary Khan, and we did a joint podcast, first on Ray's Plundergrounds podcast, and they were both way too kind about what they thought of my card game. I'll include a link to that episode in the show notes. And then we followed that with a quick little podcast where I asked them about their Gary Khan experience. That was Saturday's podcast. So if you've not yet heard my Saturday scrawl, check it out. Saturday afternoon, I ran my Boot Hill scenario, a posse for the school marm. I ran that in November at UConn. That was the, and November was the first time I'd played Boot Hill since high school, 35 plus years ago. And at Gary Khan, I had a lot of players that had never played it, but they all had fun. One character was injured and stunned by dynamite. Another got one bad guy and almost got the last one, but the last bad guy managed to shoot her character in the chest for a mortal wound. I was a little 
sad to do that, but she thought it was epic and fitting to go down fighting. She later told me that she hadn't role-played in 30 years and was worried that she wouldn't do a good job, but that I made it easy and the way I walked them through what to do as we generated our characters, she felt comfortable and welcome at the table. They also told me up front that they had another game and would have to leave early. However, they ended up not leaving early because they were having so much fun they finished the game. And her husband said he's not much of a gamer, but he had a blast. So that really pumped up my ego. I loved hearing that because I, I always am a little worried that, am I doing a good job? Are you really having fun? And to hear that just warmed my heart. Saturday night was supposed to be a showing of another Kickstarter movie I backed, The Dreams in Gary's Basement by Pat Kilbane, but unfortunately he was sick and they had to cancel. I backed that Kickstarter and I've been cheering that on since I met Pat at GaryCon 8 when he premiered an early showing of a few interview snippets, and you can read about that on my blog if you search for Pat Kilbane or GaryCon. Saturday evening, I went to a party to see the teaser and a behind-the-scenes of Peter Atkinson's Caldea. It's going to be a series of videos to highlight a world setting called Caldea, and it had some very cool special effects. I met some new people there, some old friends, and a player from last year's official Gamma World game, and he was still gushing about that memory, which is very cool. Matt Mercer came to the con, and he showed up at the uh, party and the party wound down and we went down to the lounge and I was able to have a brief moment to talk to him and I told him uh, Vecna's story and congratulate him on the Kickstarter and managed to get a picture with him and unfortunately somebody from the party who I only met at the party was drunk and not taking the hint to give people space I was asked to escort him away from the celebrities since I knew him better than some. I'd only met him a couple hours before that. Before he started drinking at the party, he seemed fine, but he must have been slamming him back or been a lightweight, I'm not sure which. But the level of intoxication negated his social intelligence and there was something he obviously wanted to communicate. And there was something that he really was wanting to communicate that was really important to him. And I know what it's like when you see somebody that you really want to get a chance to interact with. But his level of intoxication made him unable to get his point across other than trying to continue shaking the hand over and over again and repeating some innocuous platitudes that didn't quite make sense. And unfortunately, he'd been stumbling into people and flopping his arm as he was pointing at things. And he didn't react well, but we got him out of the lounge and then out of the building and unfortunately, he had to call for security, mostly to make sure he didn't come back in and cause trouble, and make sure he didn't try to drive, which that would have been a disaster. I haven't heard any more about that, but that's because I'm not in a place to know about that. But if you go to a con, and you're going to drink, don't go past your limit to control your motor skills or communication ability. That's how you get banned from cons. I don't know if it got to that level, but... I've never witnessed anything like that at a con. Not not saying it doesn't happen, just saying I've never witnessed it. And in the current environment, I was very disheartened to witness such a thing. So please, don't drink and be stupid. It's not fun to witness, nor I'm sure when you are the person that's the problem, when you sober up and realize that you now have a bad reputation and maybe got yourself banned from a con, that wouldn't be great. 
I mentioned this on my blog post I put up yesterday, and I almost didn't report this, but I don't want to whitewash a bad situation. That's really the only bad thing other than not wanting it to end and not having enough time to do more of the cool things I wanted to do. It was also neat to tell the Avecna story to Joe Manganello. got a picture with him. I showed him my shirt that says, follow me and die with the logo on it. And he said, nice, which I knew he'd get a kick out of that with his death saves line. And another thing that occurred at the con was rumors. Someone came up and said something to me about X and so-and-so and this event and that event. And I'm not going to repeat that is that does no good. I will only repeat facts I can verify or I witness personally. Rumors of game stuff and game personalities always happen. Sometimes there's a grain of truth, but I'm not going to go spreading something I can't verify. I guess that was a minor negative, but... And that happens wherever you go and have a group of people get together. People are going to talk about something that somebody said, and if you didn't witness it, don't go blabbing it because it may not be true or may not be entirely true or the right picture. So enough of that. Sunday, I didn't sign up for any games. I was in the lounge all day, and apart from moving my bags from the room I shared with my normal con roommates to that of my ride home on Monday, and I played my card game at least a dozen times. And one player from earlier in the weekend really latched onto the game and has probably played more than anybody but me and knows the rules as well or better than I do. So she played nine games on Sunday, and I was just having her teach the new players And then the two of us weren't rounding up anybody else, and we worked out how to cut the deck in half. Since there are an odd number of some cards, we did a large half and a small half deck, and we managed to play one hand with a large half deck as a two-player game. And that felt like it played like the full deck, but a little faster, and it worked well for the two-player game. One game, of course, wasn't enough, but it does tell me I've got the numbers of each card's right, And that may be the way to go for a two-player game or at least a quicker two-player game. After all the playtesting and suggestions for little things to improve the cards, I know I need a third playtest deck and more playtesting to make sure the changes to that make sense and work. And because I don't have an artist lined up, and since the rules and the cards are not locked in, I realized my hopes of kickstarting this year are not realistic. Because I want to avoid rushing things and I want to finish the Kickstarter in the year I start it to simplify the tax issues. So I'm going to do all I can to make launching during the first quarter of next year happen. So 2020, first quarter is my goal. I'm going to be going to more, well not more cons, but I'll be going to cons with my card game. And I'm going to try to make the rounds of some of the game stores within about an hour or so of where I live and see if I can maybe drum up some interest, get more playtesting. But I don't want to put more playtesting into the second iteration of the deck when I know that I need to do a few more things to tighten up the deck so that you look at the card and it's more clear what it does. It's obviously more clear than the first deck, but it still needs some clarification. So anybody that was hoping I was going to be able to kickstart in 2019 as much as I was, sorry to disappoint. But you can get on the mailing list. I've got a link on the blog where you can get on the mailing list. And as soon as it's ready, I will shoot it out and let you know. I'll only use that for announcing new stuff. So once this card game Kickstarter is done, the next cool thing I do, 
I will use it to announce that. So once I get a new playtest deck and do it a few times, I'll hopefully be able to tell if the basic structure of the design of the cards is done or if we got to fiddle with it to the point of some more, another iteration of the deck. Hopefully I'll get it to where all that's needed is the art. And I think the rules are really close to being solid and done. Um, I think we have two options for play, one that will be perfect for learning the game, and two-player games may be as simple as a half deck, but again, more playtesting. And then uh, Wednesday night, my roommates and I went to the same restaurant as we did last year, and while waiting for the table, somebody behind us saw my Follow Me and Die t-shirt. I've got enough for one a day. Well, I've got actually enough for probably a week and a half, but I only took enough for each day of the con. It was Zach from Atlanta. He was a reader of my blog, and I didn't think to get a picture together. A couple of other people told me they liked my blog and her podcast, and the only one I managed to get a picture with was Eric from the Chicago area. And as I recall, he said he's been reading my blog and listening to the podcast for about the last seven months, and I was really glad that I finally got the end of my skull to get a picture with him, and I did a lot better the rest of the time after that getting pictures with people. There are a few people I missed. I've po posted most of my pictures on social media, but there's still a lot left to go. So I'm going to try to make a album that I can just share that and make it quicker. I definitely had a blast at GaryCon and we'll be back next year. And hopefully I will have the card game with the final pre-Kickstarter test deck and we'll be able to play with all one who want to see what it's all about. And I will, of course, have it at every other con I attend this year. And if you're going to be at GaryCon next year or any other con this year that I'm at, be sure and say hi. I'd love to meet you and get a chance to game together. Thank you all for listening, and game on. And here's the end blurb. You can find Follow Me and Die at my blog, followmeanddie.com, here on Anchor and the many other places where my podcast is syndicated, Follow Me and Die on YouTube, and you can find me on various sites where you see my social media avatar by the amazing Satine Phoenix. I have a social page on my blog that directs to all my various social media. To get more of my thoughts and opinions in the realm of role-playing games and other games, check out my other sites. I also contribute to Multiverse.World by the new TSR. If you like the podcast and the other things I share online, there are a few ways you can support my efforts. First, tell me and tell others. Just getting out the word is important. Consider backing my Patreon. Patrons get a vote on my next PDF published on DriveThruRPG. Please check out my RPG-related PDFs. I'm working on a card game that I hope to kickstart in the first quarter of 2020. You can find the sign-up for the announcement mailing list on my blog. I also have a Teespring store where you can get a shirt with my logo, the same one by Satine Phoenix. Thanks for listening, and game on!